comes up to share with us. Wow. Um, I'm bringing love and greetings from Kingston and also Kevin and Deb um, from Kingston. I, I um, I'm genuinely feel so privileged to be here today. Um, I feel like God has given me a message for you guys. I've been praying for you uh, before I got here. And just what's happened in the worship, even when we arrived, we were welcomed um, by you guys as a family. I just feel like what I heard in prayer from God about you, I've seen with my own eyes. You, you are a healthy church, a, re- a, a church family that knows God's love. This is what I felt. All through. I know Paul and I know Natalie, but I just kept feeling like there's health and there's fullness in this place. And what I feel like God wants to speak to you about this morning, and I'm going to pray in a minute. We can maybe pray together and ask God to speak. He, he just wants to speak about the, the grace and gift that Jesus is, and you know it. He wants to speak about the grace and gift that you are to the world as well. And, and I'm here, and you guys, in one sense, have it all. You're a very welcoming family. We were beautifully welcomed as we arrived. You've got an amazing venue. You have amazing ministries happening. The worship, you guys are amazing as well. It's incredible. What more could you want? Well, the answer is more, and you just heard it. You just heard it in those prophetic words. And I feel like God wants to broaden your understanding this morning, not even through me, but through the Holy Spirit and through his word of, of how favored you are, how much he loves you, and, and the breadth of his plans for you. You just heard it just now. That was beautiful. Al, the word that Al brought, and then um, John quietly brought another similar word. The work that you do, you, don't, you have no idea of the breadth of help that God is going to provide to the world through you guys. So should we pray together? We're going to look at Psalm 121, and... Um, I'll read it out in just a moment, but let's just pray together. Father, it is a privilege, Lord, to stand before you and your people in Hastings, Lord, and just to see the life and love of your son, Jesus, in this place. It's amazing. And Lord, we want to ask you to speak to us, Lord, collectively. I had that wonderful sense when I woke up this morning that you, you have got blessings in store for me and Deb and Kevin, Lord, and I feel like we've been blessed already, Lord, but would you bless each of us, Lord? You know each heart, you know everyone's story, you know how we've gotten here today. And I pray you speak to us in a way that changes us, Lord, and grows us, Lord, and encourages us. You love these people so much. You do want to do, and you are able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, Lord. It came through in the worship again. We lift up our eyes to you. We sung it, the first song. We lift up our eyes to you, Lord. Giver of life, breathe on us, Lord. Speak to us. I pray for even my ears, Lord, but all our ears to be open to the Spirit of God, to know what you're saying today. We pray for our eyes to be more open, Lord. Jesus is in the room. Isn't it amazing? Jesus Christ is here with us now. Lord, let unreality and unbelief fall away. Lord, let us rejoice in your presence. You're here, Jesus. Would you have your way? Would you speak? Would you be in full control? In your name. Amen. Amen. As I said, I, I wanna, I'm going to read the psalm out. Um, do you know, years and years ago, uh, as Nat said, I'm a social worker, but I've kind of grown up with... Um, Disability, pretty much everything. I, I, I've worked in every sector of social work, believe it or not. I had one of those careers that's a career. Like I got fed up here, went there and careered around the place. 
But my family life was similar. Like, I'm very um, diverse ethnically, but we've had mental illness, suicidal stuff in my family, um, child sexual abuse stuff in my family, and all sorts of stuff. And I've grown up knowing, um, have homeless friends, uh, friends in prison, all sorts of stuff. And this psalm, I'm just remembering, was very special. It was given to me by a homeless guy in central London on a piece of, um, like a poster with all the fruits of Israel. I've just remembered it now. Um, it's the psalm of help, and it's King David who wrote it. Some people think it was a battle psalm, um, but it's just such an amazing encouragement of how God wants to help and bless people. So let's read it together. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. And again, Lord, I just feel I want to pray. Such a famous psalm, Lord, but it's watertight. It says you're going to care for us in a way that We actually can't quite grasp, Lord. I want to pray deep in our hearts, Lord. You you just cement deeper than ever before that you are for us, Lord. That if you didn't spare your only son, Jesus, you freely gave him up for us, Lord. You will, how much more will you not give us all things? How much more will you not keep your eyes on us and, and prosper us and grow us, Lord, and love us? And how much more do we have this gift to give to other people, Lord? Speak to us in Jesus' name. Guys, this is a super positive psalm, isn't it? God loves you. He's going to take care of you. It's like an evangelist psalm. The first verse is, I look to the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And then he goes on to talk to you. The Lord will watch over you. It's an evangelist psalm. It's really positive, really happy, um, just encouraging and all those things. But there's a, there's a subtext in the world and in the Bible that God has really laid on my heart this year. And that is that we live in an in a incredibly messed up world. You guys have a heart for social justice, so you kind of know that as a church family. But even in a psalm where it talks about help, the, the grace and gift of living in a broken world is something we don't often see. There is some reason that God allows brokenness. I, I remember earlier this year, I was reading Genesis, actually, when, when um, Joseph is reunited with his father. And God spoke to me and he said to me, you're to teach yourself and teach your family and teach my people, particularly thinking about our church in Kingston, to expect trouble and to stand and fight. That, it's in the Bible all the way through, isn't it? Stand firm. In this world, you will have troubles. But it's so messed up. I suddenly saw that the world is, is, is unjust and messed up beyond our understanding. Guys, some news for you as well. You're in a wonderful church here. The church is messed up beyond all understanding. And twas ever thus. If you read Paul's letters to the church, one of them's all legalistic, the Galatians. The others are getting up to stuff they shouldn't be getting up to. Paul says things like in Philippians, he says to the glorious, wonderful, the people of God. And then in, in the letter to the Philippian church, he says, I have no one like Timothy. Everyone looks to their own interests, not to those of Jesus Christ. And I suddenly saw This brokenness isn't going to go away. I I saw the world is broken beyond my understanding. There is going to be so much trouble in it. There is so much trouble in it. The church is broken. 
and, and all the stuff about forgive one another, bear with one another, because we're messed up and we mess one another up. Guys, our hearts are broken as well. They really are. Until Jesus returns and removes sin from the face of the earth completely, we've got to live with brokenness. And the Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, right? So what is the good of living in a broken world? Well, one of the graces in it, one of the graces and gifts of a broken world is this idea of help. Where does my help come from? Everybody needs help. The word that John just gave me, there's a, it was a word about a single point of contact between the people of God and God himself and love flowing from, from God to his people, but going out in a multitude of ways. One hand, we hold on to God's hand with one hand, but then our hands reach out in a multitude of ways. I genuinely feel like God wants you to, this morning, and myself as well, I'll share some of the things he's even been saying. He wants to broaden your understanding of what social action is. We've just seen it. Churches that change communities. Everybody needs help. King David is like this incredible man. I I did a thing with my kids and I showed them King David is mentioned before he's even born in the book of Ruth. It's like the whole book is saying at the end. And the reason we're telling you this story, the reason God is telling you this story is because King David was going to be born into this line. And then we turn to the book of Revelation and you see, excuse me for the informality, Jesus' bottom sits on the throne of David for all eternity. Can you believe it? There's a throne called the throne of David, and it is Jesus Christ's seat in heaven. This is a great man beyond the greatness we could understand, isn't it? A man after God's own heart. And, and we think of his story as a story of success. He came from nowhere. He's the one they all overlooked at the beginning, of course, but then he became this great king of Israel. Actually, if you read his story from beginning to end, it was a fight and a battle. King David was rejected all through his life. He's left, he's left out from the, you know, the parade of sons. Jesse doesn't even think to bring him out. We know that. But then anointed king, he, he is rejected by um, his brothers there. He's rejected at the battlefield when he comes to fight Goliath. And they say, what are you doing? You just came to bring cheese. Go away. He's adopted by Saul, like his surrogate father, and Saul tries to kill him. He, he gathers these men and women in the wilderness. And, and even, even before that, his wife rejects him when he dances in front of the ark of God. He, he gathers these amazing men and women, or they're broken people, misfits, the outcasts. They're the poor who become mighty men and women of God. And even they at one point, 1 Samuel 20, I think it is, he, they lose their stuff to the Amalekites. And it says, at this point, David's men picked up stones and were going to kill him. Later, he gets the kingdom. His sons reject him. His officers don't do what he said. Even even on his deathbed, there are people within Israel, his kingdom, who appoint another man's son to be king over Israel. David's story, there's triumph in it, but there is brokenness. I haven't even touched his sin. Rejected all through his life. And a murderer and an adulterer. He's so great. Jesus sits on David's throne and he writes this psalm. Where does my help come from? Everybody needs some form of help. And there is a grace and a gift in it. Even Jesus, guys. I saw, this is like two, three weeks ago. I think it might have been at that, just praying with somebody. And this, this truth came out as we were praying. Even Jesus, who is God himself, received help from Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross. Can you believe it? And, and God spoke to us as we were praying. And he said, my son bore what was unbearable. Jesus didn't even carry the cross by himself. He accepted help. Everybody needs help. And here's why it's a grace. Because sin 
If you're visiting or you don't know what sin is, sin is very simply the stuff you think, you say, and you do that breaks God's rules. And if you're not sure about God's rules, we've all thought and said and done stuff that breaks our own internal rules. I I don't know anyone who hasn't done that. And what sin does is it isolates us. It it makes us alone. We want to run from relationship, run from one another. And what, what the need for help does is it invites relationship. It, invite, it gets exploited, but help every single person, the greatest human that ever lived, even Jesus Christ on earth needs help. And there is a great invitation for fellowship, relationship, and ultimately for love to flow. It's a great grace and a great gift of God. But you know, the greatest gift of all is that it sets the scene for Jesus Christ. I, I want to encourage you this morning there is so much richness in the kingdom of God. So much. There's the Holy Spirit. I love, again, the expression of worship here this morning. Just praise God. It's rich. The spiritual gifts at work. People prophesying and bringing tongues. It's awesome. But you know, if you, if you were to go after that, you'll go astray. The heart for the poor is amazing. And you see what God is doing and opening doors for Nat and others of you to influence the world. But if you go after that, you'll go astray. The book of Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. In in chapter 3, in chapter 12, we run the race by fixing our eyes on Jesus. We receive the Father's love. We receive the Holy Spirit. We receive all these things. But there's one way. And by his grace, he even said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And this broken world, it sets the scene for Jesus. The only one. We sung it this morning. Nobody like him at all. He comes into this broken world, and, and it's amazing. So when you read the um, promises of uh, King David, uh, when he reads this um, psalm to himself, he's saying it to us. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. He speaks of the brokenness of the world. Even the sun, the moon, can harm you. Everything in life is dangerous at some point. You could get neurotic about it. But what an amazing promise David has. In his heart, he knows God will look after you in all these things. It says at the moment at which his, his men wanted to kill King David, they picked up stones, were going to kill him. It says David withdrew and strengthened himself in the Lord. It was his constant pattern of life. In his own brokenness, in the brokenness of his, his life, his ministry, his world, his kingdom, King David strengthened himself in the Lord. And, and what you're reading here is a man who knows that God is for him despite his own sin, despite the broken world that he's in, I want to tell you something. What King David had is nothing compared to what we have in these days. That's God's plan and God's truth. It's written page after page after page in the Bible. I've been talking to people about it in terms of good, better, best. I have a Muslim background. My dad's family are Muslim. And so the Muslims and the Jewish people and Christians, we share the same roots of Abraham and all these things, the prophets. That's good. That's a good story. All three main religions have this good story that mankind is pretty messed up, but God mercifully tolerates us and even speaks to us and guides us through the prophets. That's good. Better is this amazing story that God became a man like us, a human being. Born into Israel, knowing all the stuff that we struggle with, but not falling into sin, living a perfect life. You know, the good is like Mount Sinai. God is speaking in the tablets and the fire and stuff like that. But if you touch the mountain, you'll die because it's so holy. That's good still. 
because he's at work and he's visible. Better is Jesus on the mountain teaching about the Beatitudes. And you can ask him questions. You can get it wrong and he won't smite you. He'll just tell you off. But you can touch his cloak. You can eat with him. You can watch him while he's sleeping. That's far better than what was in the old covenant, right? I want to tell you best is here today. John 16 and verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for you that I go. He knew their hearts. They don't want to lose him. He's changed their lives and he is the center of their world. And he says, I'm going. It's better for you that I go because if I go, I'll ask the Father and he will send the Holy Spirit. I really believe, I know it's true of my own life and my church family, God is waking his people up to just how much we are blessed to just how alive Jesus is, to just how incredible this gospel is. It's so incredible, it means unbelievable, that we don't credit, (laughs) we don't believe it fully with our lives. And he's waking us up to this truth. God spoke to me earlier this year, and I want to say to you, if if it grates when I keep saying God speaks to me, because it does with some of my friends, they're like, but he can't speak that, that clearly. And that frequently. I I met a man called Julian Adams about nine years ago who prophesied over myself and our church. But his main message that he preached was, you're going to be amazed at how God speaks to me, but I want to tell you God can speak to you like that. And I believe that the daily bread of every believer is to hear every word that comes out of the Father's mouth. You know, Satan quoted the Bible at Jesus in the desert and said, "If if you're the son of God, tell God to turn these stones into bread. It's the Bible he's using. And Jesus said, no, no, a man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. This is an amazing book, essential. But you're to expect God to speak to you every single day. He spoke to me earlier this year, and he said to me very simply, I am the God of whatever, whoever, wherever, whenever. I was like, wow, those words sound familiar. They're in the new covenant for us. David didn't have them. Wherever this gospel is preached, whenever two or more of you gather in my name, Paul read it from Matthew today, whatever you ask for in my name will be done. Whoever believes in me, Jesus said, as the scriptures have spoke, so streams of living water will pour from their heart. Whoever. This isn't just David being anointed. This is whoever believes. Streams of living water will pour from their heart. Whoever believes in me will do the things I do and greater things because I'm going to the Father. I want to tell you the promises we have in Christ are better than the promises in this psalm. And they are fulfilled in this psalm. They're not, they're not um, negated or deleted or anything like that. God is watching over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. He will not let your foot slip. I am on Monday. I'm so clumsy. We were laughing on the way up. I'm preaching about God helping. I couldn't park properly this morning. I couldn't all sorts of I didn't even think I've shaved properly on on Monday I I trashed the whole side of my wife's car I haven't had a prang for years I trashed the whole side I had one of my homeless friends on the phone that morning said you're rushing around too much you need to slow down you need a bit of time to yourself now I was trying to get another guy that he knows this is why I was talking to him on the phone into housing that night because otherwise he's asleep he's going to sleep on the streets again and there's a way a door had opened I can get him into a, a housing so I rushed to do that I rushed to get some stuff for my daughter I ripped the whole side of my car Rab my friend says that to me you're rushing around too much and I, I was like yeah yeah I know and I know because God has been speaking directly to me for the last 2 3 I was going to say weeks it's months you're only to do what I tell you to do 
I know it's difficult, but you're only to do. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm trying. So Monday, I ripped the side of my car. My, not my car, sorry. My wife's car. We've had it a year. She loves it. Well, she, hopefully she loves me more, but she's fond of the car, eh? I ripped the whole side of it on an AA truck. How's that for irony? And then that night, I'm busy all the way through the day. I'm building a cupboard. It's Ikea. I've told, I don't like Ikea. I'm building this cupboard for my daughter. And I'm quite handy. I'll say it without any shame. I'm good at putting stuff together. In one moment, I smashed two panels and couldn't finish the cupboard. At that moment, because I now know for 100%, God watches over me all the time. He's, he's, always, he's not Santa Claus, guys. I lived for years thinking that God is watching me all the time to see if I've been good or bad. So he can put me in his naughty book. Now, God watches over me because he loves me that much. He cannot take his eyes off me. So this happens on Monday. And I said to the Lord in my daughter's bedroom, it's like 10 o'clock at night. She's sleeping with, in my wife's room because I, I said, I have to do this stuff today. I've got no time. I said, God, what, what is going on? You could have spared me an inch there and the car would be all right. And you could have, what is going on? Immediately, he said to me, these things seem valuable to you. But things more valuable than these are at stake. If you don't listen to me and do what I tell you. That was amazing. The whole day changed for me. The whole day. Because God was speaking and he really got my attention. I want to tell you, God cannot take his eyes off you. I want to tell you that whatever happens to you in your life. And man, we are going to face tragedy, all of us, in our lives. It's going to happen. It's really going to happen, guys. I'm not trying. But God, will, you'll find him in it and he will speak to you because the promises we have are better than the promises King David had. And they are all rooted in him being right here with us. He's here right now. Can you hear him or, or feel him? Do you know when he smiles at you? or what, Do you know how he is your help? Not just in a theoretical sense, but in a, in a very real sense. I'm, I'm going to wrap up in just a moment because here's the final thing that's amazing. This is an evangelist psalm. King David with the old covenant revelation is saying, my help, even me, the king of Israel, my help comes from God alone. And then he says, and your help also can come from God alone. But the thing in the new covenant that is extraordinary to me, and you guys know it better than most, it's a... <laughs> This is a stupid thought that I was sure I wasn't going to say, but being invited to speak on your social action day is a bit like Trump inviting me to speak on the art of the deal. <laughs> I have no idea. Actually, you're probably better at social action than Trump on deal. That's, now I've remembered why I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> you guys know this better than most, okay? The single way that God's love and the revelation of Jesus is revealed to the earth is through you and me. And he wants to do it in these days in a way that just is beyond. And I believe this is a specific word for you guys. It's beyond. It's the immeasurably more than you've asked or imagined. We are coming into strange days, okay? Strange days. And Jesus said when he was on the earth, he said that the harvest is white. The fields are white for harvest. They're ripe. They're ready. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. Now, he did that at Pentecost. He filled men and women with the Holy Spirit and sent them out to do the very things that Jesus did. And Father, I want to pray for something to break in us this morning. He, he has called us to be a people that hear his voice, that see what the Father is doing, and we will be 
carriers of God wherever we go. The work you guys are doing is extraordinary. God wants to breathe on it and open doors for you and, and give you a prophetic voice into things. I was just starting to tell Nat and we ran out of time. I saw this vision last week, Wednesday, daytime, Thursday night, that companies in the world are about to come into unprecedented power and influence and wealth. I felt God say to me, there are companies in the world about to come into wealth and authority like no kingdom on earth has ever had. In the same week, Amazon Amazon hits a trillion dollar market value. And I felt God say there is a season coming where my people like Joseph and Daniel will come out of nowhere to advise these men and women at the heart of these companies. And I said, Lord, but how would we do that? And he said, well, I will raise you up like Joseph from prison, Daniel the slave. These men and women need help to govern ethically, to invest their money ethically. And God is going to raise us up to do it because the spirit of God will be in us. He cares about them. He cares about the homeless. Uh, Friday night, I'm with two of my friends. One of them is a school, a friend I knew as a kid who's re-emerged in my life 20 years later. And I'm a pastor. He was the good one out of our gang. I'm a pastor with a family and a house and he is homeless and he's so broken. He used that language on Friday. He cried to me. He said, I'm broken. He wouldn't even come in. He just wanted a blanket and he was going to go and sleep in an alleyway somewhere. I can't help him. God can help him and God will use me to help him. I, I am Jesus for him at the moment. I don't know how to do that. Except that I ask God in the moment, what do I do? And he speaks. I, I, I want to ask God. I, I think I just might wait and pray, Paul, because I, yeah. <sighs> Jesus. The evangelist psalm in the old covenant is God help me, God can help you too. In the new covenant, it is that God is with you in a way that he has never been with any other generation of people. Jesus really is with you. He really wants you to know his voice each day. He's going to raise some of you up to positions of influence. You've seen it with Natalie. And Natalie has a specific calling on her life, but many of you do as well. I've shared stories with Natalie and Paul and people before of just being somewhere because I needed to use the loo and, and, a, and a guy I don't know asked me what I'm doing and what's your name? What do you do for a living? And I'm a pastor at just the moment. He breaks down and cries in front of me. I've seen cancer healed and bones knit back together in the last five years. Things that Jesus did, I've done them. Isn't it exciting, eh? I've, I've felt God speak to me about influence and then bring me like Natalie into council meetings and meetings with the police. God wants you to know whoever you are right now, he is with you and for you. If you do not know him, If you feel worried about stuff in your life right now, frightened, he is a very present help. And to be a help, you must be present. And he's going to move some of you into different places that you're not expecting. He's very practical. He's very powerful. And he's very partial to you, his people. So partial that he will not work through anyone else. Father, I want to pray for these men and women right now. Lord, there's such good work in this place. There's a fullness 
but it's a fullness for growth, for expansion. It's a fullness for branches and for leaves, for healing, Lord. The tree of life is growing in this place. And it's born out of a sensitivity to your spirit. It's born out of a knowledge amongst the leaders that you are real, that you're here. Hebrews 11.6 says, Who Whoever, believe, whoever comes to God must believe that he exists. And you are a people that believe he exists. Father, I pray you touch individual hearts right now. He who watches over Israel will never sleep or slumber. Some of you know a restlessness about issues in the world. You feel like there's a restlessness in you for what you see in the world. And that is God's heart. That's him who never sleeps or slumbers watching over these issues. Father, right now I want to pray that you touch those people with new faith and new reassurance that not only do you know of those problems, but you have raised these men and women to be the answer, Lord. Jesus, I want to pray for more of the life that's in this place to come. I want to pray for prophetic encounters, Lord, for the word of knowledge, Lord. This is, this is again, God just speaking to me now about Joseph. He, he didn't stand in front of Pharaoh as a prisoner and say, I can't do this. You remember jo- Pharaoh said, interpret the dream for me. And Joseph said, I can't interpret your dream. And people often say that he said, God can. He doesn't say that. He says, I can't, but God will. The psalm says, he will watch over you. And, and I want to pray for a faith, Lord, that says, God will at the tomb of Lazarus, when, when things look destroyed and there are situations you guys are going to face, uh, even in your own lives and even in the world around you, in Hastings, there are things that look intractable. I got a text message, a, a notification while we were worshipping. I've had that vision last week about unprecedented power through data and tech that's going to come to these men and women. And I got a notification saying Donald Trump next week will send a text message to every citizen of the US and there's nothing anyone can do to stop receiving that message. That's power. And there are going to be problems and obstacles that you face in your own lives and things that look like something has died and in your city, in your town, something has died like Lazarus was dead. And Jesus stood outside the tomb and he said, I pray like this because I know you always hear me. Father, would you release faith in these people that that they know you always hear them? I'm going to ask the band to come up, but I wonder, would you even just stand and I'll pray for you? Because God says again, I am the God of the whatever, the whoever, the wherever, the whenever. It's the very definition of the freedom that Jesus died to give us on earth. Will you just, just allow the truth to penetrate your heart? And, and again, I want to say, if you don't know God, speak the name of Jesus and ask him to help you right now. And he will meet you. Father, would you release faith? Would you release a salve for people's eyes that when they read these incredible promises in the Bible, whatever you ask for in my name, you will receive. Whatever you ask for, believing that it's my will, you will receive it. Whatever you ask for, believing that you've received it, you will receive it. Whatever, the God of whatever, whoever, wherever and whenever has called you and chosen you as individuals and as a church family for far more than you're currently experiencing. And it's not a rebuke. It's not a correction. It's an encouragement. It's a well done. It's a well done. 
And Father, I feel your joy and delight, and I ask you, Lord, as we sing now, continue your good work and release faith and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.